Hey, welcome to ACF Church, and we're so glad that you're with us watching this message online. And our hope is that it would encourage you to be more like Jesus and walk closely with Him as an apprentice of Christ. And our hope is to give away all of these resources for free as much as possible. It takes a lot of time and energy and people to make that happen. And if you'd like to support the mission of God financially for ACF Church, you can go to acfak.org and you can give there. Now enjoy the Word of God proclaimed. ACF Church, we're so glad that you're with us today. I just want you to know once again, we miss you so much. I'm so excited to be back in this room together with you. And keep listening. We're going to be giving you updates about how we're going to reopen church and launch back into our gatherings. But in the meantime, here we are. And if you're online and you're brand new to ACF or to these messages, I just want to say that uh, we're so glad that you're tuning in and that you're listening in on these conversations. And so today, we're starting a brand new series called Flipped Upside Down. And we're going to spend eight weeks talking through the Beatitudes or the blessings of Jesus. But before we get there, I want to slow down for just a moment. This is Memorial Day weekend. And in our church at ACF, we have a community of many military people. Uh, Maybe for you, you've lost a loved one or a family member in the line of duty. And this time of year is a great time to slow down and just let your heart be filled with gratitude. If if maybe you're you're camping this weekend or maybe you're watching this somewhere just from a beautiful place, uh, uh, you know, outdoors, I want you just to slow down at some point today and let God fill your heart with gratitude for the freedom that you experience. I think during this time of COVID-19, when many of us have lost a little bit of freedom for the first time of our lives, we are more aware than ever of how valuable freedom really is. And for us as Christians, we often think of what Jesus says, which is that there's no greater love than this, that someone would lay down their life for a friend. That's what Jesus does as he loves us. And that's what many of, uh, of our amazing men and women who have served in the military have done for us as well. And so uh, we just want to slow down and consider them and remember them for the sacrifices that they've made for us. Now, this conversation about blessings, it's going to be a a challenge for a lot of people as we challenge what blessing actually means and and redefine that for a lot of people. And I want to start with this question, and it's this. Have you ever felt like things in this world are the opposite of what they should be? Have you ever just looked at the world and said, things are so upside down, they're just not right? Whether it be politically, and you're like, man, there's there's things that are happening in the political system that are simply not as the way they should be. Maybe it's relationally. As as we relate to one another, you're just like, man, it's, it's like so upside down the way that we treat one another. 
I would say that as I look at the world, there are a lot of things that are completely upside down. And what do we do with that? And that's really what this series is about, is that there is a different way of seeing the world and that Jesus describes the good life and what it really means to be human in a different way than maybe the world would describe it. How have you seen that things are sort of upside down? Maybe you're a pet lover, uh, you know, so we don't have a dog. We have two bunny rabbits right now. And uh, I actually ran across an, an interesting survey for you dog lovers. And it was, it was really interesting and showed us maybe some of the upside downness of the world around us. And here's what it says that psychologists at Georgia Regents University, University interviewed 573 individuals and asked about a scenario where their dog and a tourist were about to get hit by a bus. Okay, so imaginary scenario, uh, your dog and a tourist that you don't know is going to get hit by a bus. And here's what happened. 40% of people said that they would save the dog first, right? Now, some of you dog lovers are standing up in your living room clapping, right? You're just like, that is how it should be. But for for a lot of people, we would see that statistic and go, that's kind of flipped upside down, right? Shouldn't we save the human first? Doesn't doesn't that matter more than the animal? And I, I get this is divisive, right? These are fighting words for some of you dog lovers. But this is a real thing. And, and honestly, it goes way deeper than that when we look at the world and how upside down things really are. When I hear about suicide, suicides in Alaska. I just think that's not the way it should be. When I hear about depression and divorce and abuse and racial tension, and, and, and a lot of that's been on the news lately, I just think, man, things are so upside down. This just isn't right. And the question I keep asking is, is there any way to right side up this upside down world? Is there any way to right side up this upside down world? Is there a way to change things and to go after better things? And Jesus really shows us a way to do that. Uh, For you, maybe you're watching and and, uh, you'd be willing to post in the comments, who here has ever rolled over a vehicle? Just post below if you've ever just loud and proud rolled a vehicle. I remember uh, going jeeping with a friend of mine. His name's Jeremy. This was back in Colorado, and it was my first time out. And I remember going down this little hill, and, and uh, he came off of the hill, and the front end planted in the ground, and the back end came up over the, the front end of the Jeep. And, and we'd actually bought some Krispy Kreme donuts earlier that day. And so I just remember looking out, and, and the donuts are airborne. They're, they're flying all around us and the tools are flying every direction and the jeep slams on to the roof. It was quite the predicament for us. We, we got it out in the end, but this is the first time that I'd ever felt that feeling of being upside down. And in fact, uh, he actually ended up getting this sticker that I found uh, later. It says this, if you can read this, flip me over. If you can read this, flip me over. Some of us need to tell this to our friends. Like, if you see that my life is upside down, can you tell me about it and maybe give me a hand flipping backside over? It says, the question was, is there any way to right side up this upside down world? And Jesus really does give us a way. And so if you have a Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 5. That's the text that we're going to be in uh, really for a little while here. And I'll be referencing some other scriptures as well. But once again, this is going to be eight weeks talking about the blessings of Jesus. And, and, And this word blessing gets thrown around a lot doesn't it? I mean, really, uh, blessing is always trending on Twitter, right? Hashtag blessed. But the question is, does it really mean what people think it means? 
And see, Jesus, he comes in to show us a different kind of kingdom, a different kind of blessing, an upside-down kingdom that operates the complete opposite of the way that the world around us tends to operate. I mean, in the culture that Jesus is speaking to, blessed people were powerful, they were beautiful, and they did all the right things, right? They were morally upright people. And Jesus presents this new kind of upside-down kingdom that shows them that the way that God measures things And the way that God pours out blessing is completely different than the world's way of seeing it. And so in this moment, in uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, he climbs a mountain. And he's near the Sea of Galilee. And he's going to preach a message about this kingdom of God. And he's going to flip everything upside down. One of the interesting things about this as he climbs this mountain is Jesus was a revolutionary. And it's interesting, he chooses to climb the mountain because in Jesus's day, that's where the revolutionaries would have hung out is they would have been in the mountains hiding from, uh, from a lot of people that were trying to kill them for the changes that they were hoping to make in the culture. And Jesus being a revolutionary, it's interesting, he climbs a mountain and he's going to say some things that are really going to rub people the wrong way and going to challenge the way that they see the kingdoms of this world. If you've ever asked God to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, which is what we pray a lot as a church, what you're really asking God to do is to flip your values and desires on their head and to dismantle what you believe about this world and to change those things. And that's really what Jesus is setting out to do. You know, one of the things that I know is that we've all bought into a worldly kingdom and worldly views of blessings in one way or another, right? I mean, maybe your mom told you, hey, honey, uh, it's what's on the inside that counts. I know my mom used to say that to me, right? But the reality is we don't really live that way when we get older. I mean, we go, yeah, you said it's, on the, it's what's on the inside that counts, but really um, what, what actually gets power and gets prestige is success. It, it's the people that can rise above and, and push their way to the top. And I think for all of us, we've fallen into the trap of living by an earthly kingdom. And if you're not a Christian or not a believer that's watching this online, know this, that God has a a different way to see the world that is going to actually give you the peace and the hope and the joy that you are actually hoping for. In 2 Samuel, we read that man may look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And this is really what Jesus is going to do is he's going to show us that the kingdom of God is an inside out job. He wants to start with what's on the inside and do all of that difficult work that's actually so much harder than the outside work. And so that's what we're hoping to do through this series is is change the way that we see blessing and change the kingdom that we're actually pursuing in this world. Now for Jesus, the religious people of his day, they'd created this environment where people had all of these uh, traditions and these moral upright behaviors. They were doing a lot of the right things, yet in so many ways, they were missing the mark for what God actually had for them. And so they had created an, an environment, really, where people who didn't have their life together, people who had mistakes in their past, they would have never felt comfortable at all. And so once again, Jesus wants to flip everything up on its head and change the way that they see blessing. And here we are in Matthew chapter five, verse one. And this is the message translation. It says this. When Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside. Those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. So once again, we have Jesus speaking to a crowd. And then we have those who are committed to Jesus being willing to do a little climbing, right? 
uh, for you right now, when it comes to hearing the word of God proclaimed and continuing to be part of the church, it takes a little more effort right now, right? Uh, you're going to actually have to go find an internet connection, and uh, it's going to take some focus to, to keep watching online, even when there's other things to do, distractions in your home. And so, just like uh, in Jesus' day, right now it takes a little bit of effort. It's kind of like climbing a mountain to stay engaged with the family of God. And it says this, arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God in his rule. Now, these words make no sense at all. I mean, let's be honest. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Like, what does that even mean? To be blessed when you're at the end of your rope. Well, to be at the end of your rope, I, I was looking it up this week, kind of the, the background of that phrase. And it simply means that, that someone at the end of their rope is someone who's been thrown a safety rope that's just not long enough, right? Like they got some rope and they're trying to get maybe to shore or to help, but they, they just lack a little bit of distance on the rope. They're at the end of their rope. Another uh, way that this term is used is like an animal who's on a leash that uh, they just can't get beyond the limitations of their leash. And that's how maybe you felt before. And, and that is not a good feeling. That, is, that, is, that does not feel like being blessed. Can we just say that? When you're at the end of your rope, when you're at the end of your leash, you have nothing left to give. Jesus says, that's actually when you're blessed. So let's read it in the ESV translation. It says this, And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? The poor in spirit. Well, poor, maybe a modern word for poor is this broke, right? Jesus is basically, basically saying this, blessed are the broke. Blessed are the broke. So I just wonder for you, uh, when you're watching online, grab a, uh, an emoji. Give me the thumbs up emoji real quick. If you've ever felt broke before, like just engage with us for just a minute. If you've ever felt broke, if you're like, man, if to be blessed is to be broke, then I'm the most blessed man or blessed woman that is watching this uh, right now. Once again, this word broke is not something that's trending on Twitter or TikTok right now, right? Broke doesn't sound good in an executive meeting or in a business luncheon. Broke is not cool, right? But Jesus says, you're blessed if you're broke. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it kind of means. Blessed are you when you realize that you can't even live up to your own standards. Blessed are you when you're killing at, at life one day and then realize that you've screwed it all up. The next day. Uh, blessed are you when you show up to church and you just can't stop crying. Blessed are you when you finally asked for some help in your marriage because you're one breath away from divorce. I mean, that's, that's when you're blessed. Jesus says this is a completely different way of experiencing blessing is when you are flat broke, spiritually broke. You have nothing left to give. And if you have a Bible, once again, flip over to Luke chapter 7. I, I don't want to uh, read through the entire passage right now. We don't have time to do that. But this is a really well-known story of this sinful woman that comes to the feet of Jesus. And I've read it before many, many times. And a few special things uh, for this week kind of stuck out to me. Uh, first, Jesus, he's invited to this religious leader, Simon's house. And he's hanging out with him in this home. And this man, Simon, has lived an upright and moral life. I mean, he has his 
his stuff together, right? He's doing really well at life. And it's, it's his turn to host the rabbi Jesus. And you can kind of tell that this is probably more of a requirement for him. It's not something that he really wants to do. And you, you get to see that through the way he responds to Jesus. So Jesus is in his house and Simon, he skips all of the formalities, like when a rabbi would come to your house, you would wash his feet. You would anoint his head with oil. You would care for him and show that he was valuable to you. Simon, he skips all of this stuff. He's wealthy. He's powerful. He's comfortable. And he's religious. He's got his life together. And he would be the kind of person most people would say is blessed. I mean, look at his life. He is so very blessed. And then this woman shows up. And everybody knows her name. And she's the sinful woman of the community. Most scholars believe that this is actually Mary, the, the sister of uh, Martha and Lazarus. So good friend of Jesus's. She's, she's really well known to the community. And Jesus really knows this woman. In fact, months before, this woman has actually sat at the feet of Jesus in the story that many of you know of Mary and Martha, right? So we've got this woman, Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And when she walks in the door, there's all these religious people and immediately she senses judgment, right? If you've ever felt that, that feeling where people look in your eyes and you're like, oh, they're judging me. I can tell they don't want me to be here. They think I'm filthy and dirty. They would think that my life is the opposite of blessed. And she walks in and I'd imagine that she feels all these religious eyes on her. Maybe it's how you felt the first day you walked into church. So she walks in, this is what she feels, and then she catches the eyes of Jesus, and I'm convinced he just smiles at her. I'm convinced he gives her this look like, I am so glad that you're here to rescue me from all these religious people, right? So this woman, she walks in, and she's just weeping, and she's broken about what she's gone through and the decisions that she's made in her life, and the tears start flowing from her eyes. She's just weeping and, and it's just this, this hot mess, right? And she comes to Jesus and she lets down her hair, which would have been the cultural equivalent of like stripping down in front of someone. This would have been scandalous and offensive in their culture. And when she lets down her hair, she starts wiping his feet with her tears, and then she's got this oil and she, she anoints him with, with oil. This oil that she had probably would have been used uh, with the men that she had been with. And she takes that oil and she uses it to anoint Jesus's feet. And imagine this woman in this moment where all these religious people are watching what's going on and they are shocked. I bet you would have heard a pin drop in the room. And Jesus just receives this, this beautiful blessing from this oil woman. And then Simon, he's sitting there and he's watching the whole thing. I mean, he's the guy that's, that's blessed, right? I mean, everyone would think he's got the blessed life. I mean, he had all the resources. He could have washed Jesus's feet with like bottled water and, and got the micro blend towels from, you know, the pantry and wiped them down. You know, like this man had everything, all the riches that you could imagine. And yet his riches had made him judgmental. His riches had actually stolen an opportunity to bless the son of man. And yet her poverty had made her a blessing. Isn't it interesting how everything's flipped upside down in this story that when Jesus sees broken, he actually sees beautiful. And yet when he looks at this man who, who others would think is blessed, 
He sees something that does not align with God's kingdom, but aligns perfectly with the world's kingdom. And, and as he's, he's looking at all these people in their eyes and seeing this woman in this moment, Jesus does what he always does. And he tells a story. He says this in Luke seven forty one: a, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Do you get what he's saying there? Do you understand what he's saying? He's like, hey, there's two people with two different kinds of debt. One person's got some debt, right? Kind of middle class, you know, like they're, they're doing okay for themselves, making a few bucks, you know, got a little bit of debt. And then there's this other person and they are flat broke, right? And they've got all kinds of debt. Now, which one is going to love most? Jesus said, and Simon says, of course, the one, the one who's been forgiven the greater debt. And Jesus says, absolutely. As he looks at this woman who's receiving forgiveness and acceptance for all that she had gone through. So what does it mean to be uh, spiritually broke? I think it's like this. Blessed are those who fully embrace that your spiritual account is empty. You're going to be blessed when you realize that you bring nothing to the table. I mean, and this is so hard, uh, especially in the church today, that we continue to walk back into religious behaviors as a mean to, uh, means to make our way right before God. And Jesus is like, you have nothing left to give. And when you realize you have nothing left to give, you're at the, the perfect place to receive from Jesus. That's the right place to be. You know, I'll tell you, many of us who have grown up in the church have no room in our theology for feeling like we're, we're spiritually broke, right? Uh, we don't know what it's like to, to think about our lives that way. And, and maybe we've fallen into feeling like they're, that we're better than we are apart from Jesus. And that's the tendency that we can fall into as we start to get our life together and, and try to make different decisions and better decisions. We can start feeling like we've got this all on our own for this woman. She's so broken. Her story was so messed up that she walks in with nothing left to give. And Jesus says, oh, that's the woman that's blessed. Oh, she's the one that's going to love more and and receive more for all that she's getting when she's gone through so much. I love what Psalm 102 says is is this. It's in verse nine. It says, for I eat ashes like bread and and mingle tears with my drink, right? This is a sense of, of hopelessness because of your indignation and anger. For you have taken me up and thrown me down. You ever felt like that before? My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. And I love what the psalmist says. He says, hey, I'm broken. I'm lost. I have nothing left to give, but God, you are still on the throne. You are still powerful over all in this world. All that's messed up in in my life. And you just sense this acknowledgement of the brokenness in his life as well as a gratitude for how good God is. I mean, think about it. This is really how God shows up to his people throughout history is in their times of brokenness. I mean, it's, it's no coincidence that Israel had to wander in the desert for 40 years before they began to understand God's provision and his care for them. I mean, it's no coincidence that David never understood the the depths of God's grace until he sinned with Bathsheba. Think about that. I mean, Solomon, 
Never understood how good God was until he had everything materially that he could have ever wanted and realized that it wasn't enough to fulfill him. So so once again, blessed are those who fully embrace that your spiritual account is empty. You bring nothing to the table apart from Jesus, right? I remember being back in college and one day I went and I wanted to buy some groceries And so I go into the grocery store, I get a cart full of groceries, I go up to the counter, and I pull out my credit card, right? And it was actually, it was a debit card, I remember now. It's a debit card, and because I didn't want a credit card, I knew I was going to mess that up. So I had a debit card, I scanned the debit card, and it said declined. And so what do I do? I scan it again, declined. And so I'm assuming that like it's something wrong with the reader. And so the lady behind the counter, she taught me this really cool trick. If uh, you've been around a little while with credit cards, things have changed. Uh, but it's the bag trick. Do you guys know the, the, the plastic bag trick with the credit card? You actually put the card in the bag. And for whatever reason, when you run the card, that, that plastic bag makes it so the card will run. Because maybe the little scanner is dirty or it's got some scratches on it. And so uh, she tried the bag trick. And I, I scanned it again. Once again, declined. And the reality was I was flat broke, broke as a joke, had no idea that I had run my account empty and uh, didn't have any money for groceries, which is, I mean, it's great to have a cart full of groceries and no money to pay for it. So I did the walk of shame back through the grocery store, putting everything back, got in my truck and went home. You see, I think that what Jesus is saying is that there's a moment that we realize that we're flat broke. We stop trying to hide it. We start trying to act like it's not really a problem. I think uh, early on in life, we learn how to cover it up really well. We, we learn the bag trick, right? We learn how to cover up our brokenness really well and hide any kind of shame that we might have in our lives. And we get really, really good at that. But have you ever thought and felt like something deep inside is just wrong? Like things are just upside down in your life. And so sometimes maybe you work harder and you try to cover up your brokenness with activity and accomplishment, maybe uh, getting more toys or or physical beauty. You try to cover up your inner brokenness with with outer beauty, right? But have you ever felt like all your activity isn't actually that productive? Have you ever felt like every goal you reach leaves you feeling even sadder? Have you ever felt like everyone's cheering for you, but you can't shake the feeling that life is slipping through your fingers? And Jesus says, hey, that's where it's going to go when you live according to this world. But I want to show you a different kingdom, an upside down kingdom, where people that look poor to you are actually rich in my kingdom, right? So Luke 7, 47, back to this broken woman. He says this, therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, which I love that Jesus acknowledges her many sins, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. So think about that. This woman who has many, many sins loves Jesus. And because of her love for him uh, that came out of her brokenness, her sins are forgiven. But, but then Jesus is like, he who is forgiven little. In other words, you don't realize how broken you are, that you bring nothing to the table, that you're actually spiritually broke. That person will have little love. So, so know that, that within God's family, within the world, there are people with big love and little love. And those with big love are those with uh, an understanding of how broken they are when they come to Jesus. And so what is, what, what is this text encouraging us to do? Like, what am I asking you to, to do today? Like, am I asking you to just be broken, to get broken? 
No, the truth is this. You don't have to get broken. You already are broken. I mean, that's, that's just the reality of it. Whether you know it or not, you are more broken than you know. I know I'm more broken than I realize. And every day, I see a new aspect of my brokenness. I see new, a new way that I need God's grace poured out on my life. And so he continues on in Matthew 5. He says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, those people, those people who are broke, who are spiritually broke, are the ones who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. A different kind of kingdom. Like, in other words, you can inherit and get a hold of this worldly kingdom through different activities and, and a different pursuit. But if you want to inherit God's kingdom, you actually have to be spiritually broke to get there. This is an upside down kingdom where the broke win. Can I get an amen from a broke person, right? The broke people win. I love what William McDonald says in his book, Lord Break Me. He says this. Usually when something is broken, its value declines or disappears altogether. Broken dishes, broken bottles, broken mirrors are generally scrapped. Even a crack in furniture or a tear in a cloth greatly reduces its resale value. But it isn't that way in the spiritual realm. God puts a premium on broken things, especially broken people. Isn't that awesome? So in the kingdom of God, there's a premium on broken people. I mean, broken people are the ones that can truly understand God's grace. And they're the ones that love, that love sacrificially, that, that love in a way that, that shows the world that Jesus is alive are the people that know how broken they are and how much they need God's grace. So what do broke people actually get? What do they actually get? Ephesians 1, 7, I think explains it. It says this, in him being Jesus, we have redemption through his blood. That's good news. The forgiveness of our trespasses. That's even better news, right? According to the riches of his grace, it just keeps getting better, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So what do broke people in the kingdom of God get? Riches. You get riches. You get forgiveness of your trespasses. According to the riches of his grace, which he just lavished. I love the word lavished. He lavished. He just poured out abundantly on those of us who are willing to admit that our spiritual account is empty. That we have nothing to bring to God. We just come to him willing to receive and he gives us everything that we can possibly ever need. So think about that. The broke are rich. So what does that mean? If you're watching today, if you're rich, if you're coming to God and you're like, my spiritual account's kind of full already. I'm doing pretty well. I'm a good person. My life is upright. Like people would say my life is, you know, is blessed. What happens when you come to Jesus already being rich? What does that look like? Well, Jesus says that person is broke in the kingdom of God. So think about that. The broke get rich and the rich get broke in God's kingdom. It's a completely upside down way of seeing the world. And for Simon, in this moment with this sinful woman and with Jesus, this rabbi, the lack of honor, gratitude, and respect show that, that Simon's broke as a joke and doesn't even know it. He's scanning the card looking for more blessing and his account is completely empty. He doesn't know that he's as broke as he is. And some people are too rich to experience God's blessing. 
Now, it's interesting, you know, in the, in the world today and even in the church, there's a lot of talk about like spiritual riches and, and financial riches. And, and Jesus even talks about uh, physical riches, that it's hard for somebody who's physically rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. And that's certainly true. So it's not just spiritual riches and coming to God thinking, man, I'm all that. I've got everything that I need. I don't need your grace. It's also even physical riches that can cause us to feel like we don't need God and they can keep us from actually trusting fully in his grace. So think about that. You can be too rich to be blessed, but you can never be too poor to be blessed by God. And so it's not about how much or how little you have. I mean, that creates an idol out of your riches or your lack of riches. It's really about your willingness to, 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 to realize that every good thing in your life is an act of grace. I mean, every blessing in your life is is surely an act of unmerited grace given to you by God. Nothing that you deserve at all. And Jesus says, when you can get in that place, when you get low, you know, in life, and you can realize, man, I've got nothing left to give, you will be blessed by God. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. I love that. I love that. He's near those who are broken in their hearts. He wants to save those who feel like, man, I am broke as a joke. I got nothing left to give. That's the right place to to stretch out your hand to Jesus. And he says, man, I am ready to meet you right in that place. I think the point is this. Only when we come to Jesus with nothing, will we, we begin to experience everything he has to offer. I mean, it's only at the point that we lay down all of the good things we've tried to do. All of the ways we've tried to earn our way into God's good graces. And, and this finds its way into our lives so easily. I mean, if I asked you why you feel like you should inherit the kingdom of God, how many people might answer with this? Well, I've been a pretty good person. I've lived a pretty good life. I try to be generous when I can. I try to help when I can. I try to, you know, serve at church. And, and I try to be a good human being. And, and the reality is this, none of that is what saves you. None of that earns you anything in God's economy. He runs off a completely different financial system. I mean, really, this is sort of the difference. And uh, Tim Keller calls it this. He talks about the difference between somebody who is spiritually middle class and somebody who's spiritually broke. And the spiritually middle class are the people who can kind of sustain themselves. Maybe you go to church every single week and you feel like, honestly, um, you don't really need God in your life. And so Jesus says, hey, that person, they're just not that blessed. That person is going to go through life and continue to try to earn God's good graces, but it's the person who is spiritually broke. They've got nothing left to give. And that person is ready to receive everything that God has to offer. So what about you? How do you get there? How do you move into this place where you can acknowledge that you've got nothing left to give? Because if you want to inherit the kingdom of heaven, it means that you've got to come to God broke. I mean, one of the things that I know that I struggle with is just being broken. I hate feeling broken. I mean, I hate feeling lost in my life and, and considering my sin. I mean, nobody likes to sit down and go, man, how have I blown it today? When realize, realize that this is actually a part of the life of every believer that wants to follow Jesus is that we slow down. We confess, we repent, we acknowledge that God is our savior, right? I don't know about you. Are you a crier? I mean, when's the last time that you actually wept about something that you've done or wept about something that someone else has done in the world or, or just wept about how broken things are around you. I think sometimes tears 
can be a sign that we, we're taking this seriously, that we actually feel like what's going on in our lives and in the world is actually really upside down and that God has something completely better for us. Uh, for me in my life, I'll tell you, there was a season where I literally couldn't cry, which I know sounds really weird. Um, I don't like to cry. No, most people don't. But I literally, I just couldn't get tears out for the things that were broken in my life. And I, and I really wanted God to, to, to shape me in this way. And I realized there was some pride going on in my own heart that I, I just couldn't let emotion out. And I couldn't really connect with the reality of my brokenness. I was nothing like this woman who was at the feet of Jesus, just wiping his feet with her tears and her hair. I couldn't do that. And so I literally started asking God to break my heart. And that was a dangerous thing to ask because he fulfilled that prayer. And I just remember in the next couple of weeks being with some close friends in a room and just weeping, crying my eyes out about what I'd been through, some things that I'd done, some decisions that I'd made and the things that are going wrong in the world around me. And I just remember that was a moment that changed my life. It was a moment that I actually felt the brokenness of of sin for the first time in that way. And I let the emotions flow. And, then, and in that moment, what was so beautiful is I, I not only felt the grace of my friends and the grace of those who were around me, but I felt God's grace in a deeper way, like in a more profound way than I had ever felt his grace before. So when's the last time that you just cried over your sin, cried over the brokenness of the world, or, or cried over uh, someone in your life who's experiencing pain and suffering? I think it starts with us acknowledging who we are that we are spiritually broke. If you're maybe checking out ACF Church and you're like, well, who is ACF Church? I'll give you who ACF Church is. And this is just from a pastoral perspective. We are, um, you know those people who scream at their kids in the grocery store? That's us. That's ACF Church. You know those people who have had um, affairs, slept around, and have reached out to old boyfriends and girlfriends from high school when they're married? That's, that's us. That's ACF Church. You know, those people who watch porn and and, and fudge their taxes and uh, lie to their bosses to save face sometimes. That's, that's us. That's ACF church. Um, You know, the people who know just enough Bible verses to sound spiritual, but haven't actually read it in years. Well, that's, that's us. That's ACF church. Uh, You know, the people who go to youth events on Sunday and then cuss like a sailor at school on Monday. Well, that's, that's us. That's ACF church. Um, you know, the people who think everyone else's sin is just a little worse than ours. Well, that's, that's us. That's, that's ACF church. And some of you are like, well, that's kind of terrible. And the reality is it is. And, and yet we are all covered in God's grace. By his rich grace, he's lavished upon us his love despite our sin. And so we, we are all of those things, and yet in so many ways, that's not who we are now because Jesus has changed us. The old is gone, the new has come, and so we no longer identify with our sins, but we identify with Christ and his grace, and we can walk with our heads held high. We can walk in joy and in peace and in confidence, not in our good works, but in God's good grace. And friends, that's the right place to be. And so if you're any of those things, or if you've ever struggled with any of those things and you're wondering, hey, can I be part of this community? The answer is yes. This community was made for you. So newsflash for everyone watching today, you're broke. So stop hiding your brokenness and step into God's kingdom, his upside down kingdom where you don't have to act like your life is perfect. You can actually show up 
and, and just be who you are and let God change you from the inside out. Once again, God's kingdom is an inside out job. He wants to shape us from the inside out. And I want you to know this too. Don't give in to the lie that you got to act like your life is together to, to share the gospel with the world. I think what our friends and neighbors need to see is that, man, we need, a, we need grace as much as anyone else does. And so if you're a believer in Jesus, I want you to just call that lie out and acknowledge that living like you need grace is the best way to actually show people how good God's grace actually is. And so if you're watching today and you've never acknowledged that you are spiritually broke, You've always sort of come to God with, with a little something saying, I know your grace is enough, but I want to actually contribute a little something to it and just, you know, prove that I actually have something to give. If you've never simply showed up to God with empty hands, if you've never been broken before God, maybe wept before God about your sin, I just want to ask you to consider that today. That maybe today's the first time that you say, God, I am broke as a joke. I have nothing left to get. I keep, I keep scanning the card and there's nothing in the account. And I'm ready today to admit that I need you, Jesus. That every good thing in my life is an act of unmerited grace. And God, I don't deserve it, but I'm so grateful for it. And we actually believe that if you want to receive God's grace today and step into his family, you simply need to ask for it. I mean, it's really that simple that you can ask for God's grace. And if you're like, man, I don't know how to pray. I, don't, I couldn't make my way through the Lord's prayer if I wanted to. It's simply this. It's God, I need you. And I love you. And I want to accept your love today. And so if that's you, I just want to pray with you right now. Would you just pray with me? Jesus, uh, we need your grace. And Father, I know that um, in my life, I've oftentimes come to you feeling like I have something to offer. And yet, God, we acknowledge together today that we cannot be good enough. God, we cannot accomplish enough good in this world to actually right the things that are wrong. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. Father, we acknowledge that Jesus, he came as a servant to the world. He showed us a completely different way of reigning and ruling as he, he washed the disciples' feet. God, he came as, a, as one who would love to the point of death. And Father, we remember that Jesus, the, the king of the world, actually was crucified on a cross as he wore a crown, showing us that this kingdom is different that Jesus showed up with. It's a completely different way of seeing what it means to be blessed. And so, God, we submit our hearts and our lives to you, God, and ask you to, to become the Lord and the leader of our lives. So, Father, we, we ask that you change us. God, that we could be honest and open about our mistakes and about what's wrong and flipped upside down in our lives, God. And that through that honesty, you could actually begin to mend what's broken within us. God, we, we acknowledge that we are all those things that I listed off as a church. And yet at the same time, Father, we accept that, that the old is gone, the new has come. Father, we are one with Christ Jesus and the old us is dead and the new us is alive. And Father, we identify fully with the finished work of Christ on the cross. So God, we love you. We thank you for this beautiful community we get to be a part of and this journey that we're on. Father, continue the work that you're doing in our hearts, God. Continue it to completion, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for watching this message from ACF Church. Uh, we hope it's encouraged you and challenged you to be more like Jesus and to walk with him in a closer and more profound way. If you'd like to give to the mission of ACF Church, you can do so at the link on the screen or at acfak.org. We love you and we'll see you next week.